Jazz game night, post-game show. Jake Scott, Scott Gerard with you. Tough one for the Jazz tonight in their second preseason game. They fall to the Bucks, 133-99. Post-game brought to you by both Mark Miller Subaru locations, serving our community while providing truly exceptional service. Not a pretty game, as you heard Lock and Boone talking about, Scotty, for the Utah Jazz, but this is preseason, and this is for working the kinks out. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, uh, and nobody got hurt. Uh, you saw some of your big guns there in the first half, uh, Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. And uh, Boyan, uh, you look at uh, Conley and Boyan did not play in the second half. I do not believe Mitchell played in the second half either. Um, and you saw those guys go essentially 0 for 6 and Boyan go 0 for 8, as you mentioned, 0 for 14. So not a particularly great start for those, uh, for those individuals, but it's preseason. They're going to be fine. Uh, I saw Jazz Twitter get a little fired up. Calm down, people. It's it's all right. It's preseason. It's going to be okay. In fact, uh, Coach Snyder has talked at practices, Scotty, about how he's going to throw some different stuff against the wall here in this preseason. And that's, you know, and honestly, whether it's football, basketball, whatever it is, that's what the preseason's for. It's not about wins and losses. Nobody cares about wins and losses. You care about developing rotation, developing chemistry. This team needs to hit the uh, ground running. Uh, There's not a huge... You know, especially considering how difficult the West is, the learning curve can't take long to start the season. These guys need to hit the ground running. And so I think it's important that you use these opportunities to try to figure out those rotations right now, develop some chemistry, and then when the games really matter here in a couple weeks, you're off and running. To your point, the last two years they've put themselves behind the eight ball a little bit with slow starts, and then they have to have these historic runs in the back part of the season to put themselves in the playoff picture. Make life a lot easier on yourself if if you get some of those wins early. I mean, if you could come out of the gates and you could play well and and, uh, string together some wins to start this thing off, then you're going to be in a much better position. Because you're right, you don't want those April heroics to try to improve your seed. Uh, in the playoffs. All right, with that, we'll say good night to our network stations as the Jazz fall to the Bucks tonight, 133-99. to Our next broadcast will be Friday night as the Jazz take on the New Orleans Pelicans. Tip-off for that one will begin at 6. Pre-game coverage on the Zone Radio Network uh, will begin at 5. For those of you sticking around with us, we'll break this one down for you top to bottom straight ahead on your Jazz Game Night post-game show on the Zone Radio Network. Jazz Game Night post-game show brought to you by both Mark Miller Subaru locations. Jake Scott, Scott Gerard with you. The Bucks beat the Jazz tonight in preseason game number two, 133-99. to Let's take a look at your sharp stats of the game. Brought to you by the Les Olson Company. Les Olson Company, your office technology partner. Scotty, the Jazz led tonight by Tony Bradley, who put together his <laughs> second consecutive nice game. 17 points and 10 rebounds coming in off the bench. Donovan Mitchell with 14. Uh, William Howard with uh, 9 points. And actually, this is William Howard's second kind of nice performance in a row in the preseason. Nigel Williams-Goss making that start in the second half. He had eight points on three of seven shooting. But this might be the story of the game, Scotty G. The Bucks shot uh, 56.8% from the field. The Jazz, 37.2. And the Bucks are a great defensive team, but but that's not going to win a whole lot of games. Yeah, and, and so many of those missed opportunities at the rim just because, uh, you know, the Jazz – definitely attempting to get to the rim, definitely trying to get to the rim, and Milwaukee would have none of it. And that's just how special this Milwaukee team is defensively. Uh, I mean, when you got the freak playing 21 minutes, and he's got 22 points in 21 minutes, but his presence even felt more on a defensive side uh, where he is such a 
aggressive defender and so much fun to watch. Uh, you love him when he's not playing your team, but when he is playing your team, he's making their life miserable. But then you add, you know, Lopez and Middleton, uh, Bledsoe, even to a certain extent. I mean, this is a really high-level defensive team. And what's great is, you know, it's really impressive to watch. And I don't want to spend the whole time talking about how great Milwaukee is, but they never let up defensively. Even when you go to your second-tier, third-tier players in the second half, those guys were still bringing it defensively. A couple of things on Giannis. I, I think that Milwaukee is regretting bringing him out for the second half because yes. he was a little short on that windmill dunk and might have tweaked something landing. I have not seen anything updated from an injury standpoint, but uh, he was limping off a little bit, so that's not good. Yeah, tried to give the crowd a little bit of a show on a windmill dunk and didn't quite get the lift that I think he would have wanted. Uh, but... At the end of the day, I mean, he's special. He got up, he kept running, and then you could tell And the next time out was kind of, I don't want to say even gimpy, but just kind of favoring that knee a little bit. And uh, smartly, they got him off the court as quickly as they could. Now think about this uh, on Giannis, Scotty. How many players in the NBA can guard one through five? Because Giannis, just just uh, what you were talking about yeah. there with his defense, I mean, he's athletic enough. He can guard one through five. He yeah. can switch anything on any position. The only other players I can really think of that can accomplish it that are Kevin Durant, LeBron James, yeah. uh, Kawhi Leonard, maybe. I don't know. You see Kawhi switch on a Not lot of fives. I think, I think Kawhi can handle it a little bit. I, I wouldn't. Uh, uh, let's see. Draymond can switch on a lot. Draymond I'd put on there. Yep. But I mean, those players that can that can guard one through five. I mean, how valuable are those players in today's yeah. NBA? I mean, and that's it's amazing. And the, and that's the funny thing about seeing how far that, you know, they were able to snag a player of that caliber when they did in the NBA draft is just remarkable. He went what seventeen? Yeah, I mean, he went down quite a ways. And this is a bona fide, absolute superstar in this league, incredibly special, and is going to be a. That's going to be a menace for a long time to come. And the Jazz are going to need players, and focusing this back on the Jazz a little bit defensively, they're going to need guys like Jeff Green and Royce O'Neal. These versatile defenders are going to have to, uh, Joe Ingles too, are going to have to match up. And not that Giannis is a bona fide wing per se, but they're going to have to find a way to guard these athletic wings with some of these guys. That's going to be a bit of a challenge. That's the million, because look, your best athlete on any team you play is going to be at that wing, that yep. wing position. And that's why Royce is going to be incredibly special. And that's why it's that he had the offseason that he had in which uh, this coaching staff was just glowing over the development of Royce and how he played during uh, camp. So Royce O'Neal is going to be absolutely Im- Im- you know, Im- Im- you know, vital for this team going forward. But, you know, I, you look at uh, Green and I, I you look at a guy that also is going to be incredibly important. Davis is going to be important. Like these, there's... Uh, there's an interesting conversation to be had about the bench of the Jazz. Some people, Jeff Hollinger included, aren't high, particularly high on the bench of the Jazz this year. Uh, that's going to be key. And I think there's some questions. I think there's some deserved questions about the about the bench. And that's what happens when you go out and get a $30 million a year player is that you sacrifice a little bit of the depth yeah. on your bench. And not saying that there's a huge drop-off, but it is an opportunity for these guys to come up and prove some people wrong because they are needed to play well coming off the bench. Shooting and scoring is what you kind of look at the bench and you go, okay, somebody's going to have yeah. to, to step up and, and deliver there. And there's going to be moments where you're going to hear David Locke, because I've heard David say this for over a decade now with him calling games, there's going to be moments throughout the season where there's going to be a rotation out on the court and you're going to hear David say on the broadcast, where's your scoring coming from? Yep. And and somebody's going to have to alleviate that in some regard. Now, the Jazz are so good one through five. You know, when Rudy comes back and Joe Ingles, 
that they should be able to withstand that and should be okay this season. In fact, they should be elite this season. You know, you go back to some of the teams like, you know, the the uh, Miami Heat team with the big three. Look at the rest of the team. It wasn't great. No, but because from it. Because those three were so special, they were able to overcome deficiencies on the bench. I believe that the Jazz right now, the current starting lineup, is good enough to overcome some deficiencies on the bench, but it is a, a fair criticism. No, I don't want to even say criticism. It is a fair concern to have about this year's team. You know, one of those uh, random trivia questions uh, I love to ask folks. Do you remember who the starting point guard was when LeBron first assembled that team in, in Miami? It was uh, the guy here, right? Carlos Carlos Arroyo. Arroyo. Yeah. I mean, that should that they spent all their money on those three guys that first year, and everything else was just kind of like, oh, let's uh, let's go ahead and tape this thing together. You know what was fun is when Arroyo had the uh, lunchbox, and then they moved him like right before they released the lunchbox. <laughs> and there was a sponsor, and I can't remember it's, what sponsor. It was Jiffy Lube. Was it Jiffy Lube yeah. that you just felt bad for? You're like, Jiffy oh Lube man, probably sunk a ton of money in those Carlos Arroyo lunchboxes, <laughs> and right before they released, like, yeah, yeah, our guy's gone. <laughs> So this is awkward, but uh, <laughs> all right, let's take a real quick look at your points in the paint brought to you by Serta Pro Painters. Call 1-800-GO-CERTA or visit com. That's Serta with a C. We do painting, you do life. Points in the paint dominated by the Bucks tonight, 60-48. to 48. Your final, 133-99, to 99, the Jazz fall to the Bucks. We'll have more for you coming up next on your Jazz Game Night postgame show on the Zone Radio Network. Jazz game night post game show. Jake Scott, Scott Gerard, brought to you by both Mark Miller Subaru locations. The Bucks beat the Jazz tonight, one thirty-three to ninety-nine. Scotty, let's take a look at tonight's uh, assist feature. Proudly sponsored by Larry H. Miller Dealerships. Throughout the Utah Jazz season, Larry H. Miller Dealerships is donating fifty dollars for each assist to Larry H. Miller Charities. We are driven by you. The Jazz tonight uh, total assist number, Scotty, fourteen assists uh, led by. A few different players with two, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Jeff Green. Oh, Mie Oni had three. So yeah. uh, there you go. There's your, your assist numbers. But I, I was talking about this. Um, well, I was talking about it a little bit with you in the pregame and with Gordon. Uh, Quinn Snyder's offense is not necessarily set up for one person to dominate the assist category. You're going to see that spread out a lot this year. But you also want that number to be uh, a little bit more consistent with your field goal maids. Uh, right now, you had 14 out of your 32 field yeah. goals uh, were assisted on tonight, and that's that's not a high enough ratio as opposed to where you go to Milwaukee and you know you look at their number. Holy smokes, 29! I mean, 29 out of their 50 uh, made uh, field goals tonight were assisted on. So that that field goal that assist to field goal ratio has got to be much higher. You're right though. You're spot on. That assist number should be high across the board. Um, but a lot of times with this offense, um, on a driving kick, and then sometimes you know the kick then drives again into the rim. Sometimes you don't get as many assists as you think you would with this kind of offense. Uh, but still, that number's got to be much higher. And this is not necessarily an excuse, but Rudy and their roll into the rim oh, usually yeah, gives yeah. you a couple of uh, of easy assists per night. So that that probably didn't help much. And I and I do think uh, you, Adrian, and I were talking about this a little bit off the air. I thought the the absence of Rudy was was very evident. Oh yeah, I mean there's there's a reason the Greek freaks are having a heyday at the rim, and the Jazz were almost conceding, I mean, because it's preseason too, you're almost conceding some of those buckets. Like, all right, Boyan got caught up underneath, and he's like, it's a business decision. I don't <laughs> want to be on your poster. I'm just going to back away, because this is, I want no part of this. And and frankly, nor should he. 
Uh, you throw Rudy into this, and it's it's a much different game. Well, and and I think Ed Davis, and and one thing missing Derek Favors, they they weren't going to replace Derek Favors with one player. They were going to place Derek with a, a couple of players because he played a, a couple of different roles for this team last year. But his most important role was the backup center position, yeah. and Ed Davis is is going to fill that role vacated by Derek Favors. And Ed Davis, I think, is is very very good. But it is a little bit of a reminder that Derek was the best backup center in the league last year. Oh, Bart. Uh, like he's probably one of the best centers in the league, period. Right. You know, so you put him as a back. I, I'll say he's the best backup center in the league and deserves all the minutes he's going to get in New Orleans. And that was just uh, it was a real luxury when Rudy yeah. was off the floor. And I think Ed will be fine, but he's maybe not quite the rim protector that Derek yeah. Favors was. Now, Ed can also do some other things offensively right. that, that can help you out there. But you're right. You know, look, you're not going to – when. When you acquire things, sometimes you have to give up things. And Derek was something you have to give up. That safety blanket of a really good defensive center in the middle of the paint, you is that's a big sacrifice to give up. And so Jazz recognize it, they acknowledge it, and realize, okay, what we feel like we give up, we're still at a at a at a positive with what we were able to acquire and how diversified that offense is as opposed to what we lose on the defensive side in the paint. Right. And, and they sacrifice some size in the process, too. I mean, th- yeah. this is a different team, and they're going to have to play a, a different way. But that was one luxury that Derek Favors afforded. You, you know, looking ahead, um, and let me see if – let me pull up a basketball reference here real quick. I Do you know off the top of the head where their defensive rating was last year? Uh, you no, take a I guess? do not. I don't know if Adrian's not even paying attention. You remember what defensive rating the Jazz were last year? Off the top of your head, one oh, one oh something. Hit. Um, they were they were one oh five point seven. And basketball, there's a lot of different numbers out there. Uh, I know that uh, a lot of guys go with clean the glass. I'll go with basketball reference. Uh, they were second in the NBA in defensive rating at one oh five point seven. Do they finish? And Adrian, you can jump in on this. Do the Jazz still finish top five in defensive rating this year? Ooh, see, Gordon and I had this discussion uh, just the other day, and he thinks, hands down, yes. I'm a little bit more on the fence. I think I think they're right there. They're either like 5-6, but they're right there on the edge. I, they're not going to be number two this year. I don't think they're, so they're take, They're going to take a small step backwards defensively. Not a debilitating step backwards defensively, but I think there will be. You do sacrifice a little bit defensively. Now, uh, was it uh, Ed, or was it uh, Green the other day that said Jeff Green that says they have a chance to be really special defensively? Yep, and that that may very well be true. But I think that's okay, like because of what you gained on the offensive side of the uh, of the court. I think it's okay for you to be. Uh, to go backwards a bit defensively for the gains that you picked up offensively. Well, if you can go from the teens offensively into the to the top six or yeah. seven, like we're talking about defensively. Yeah, last year then, they're 15th offensively. Right. Would you rather go to six defensively if it means that you're a top seven or eight team offensively? Of course. And I don't think Ricky Rubio was necessarily the best defender in the world, but Ricky Rubio was six four, no, you six bring, five. Yeah, you bring up a good point there. And Mike Conley is six foot six one. I mean, you yeah. lose some size, and that that can affect things like switches. And and he's you know Ricky Rubio was a fairly long player. I mean, there's there's just some little things where maybe that's not going to be the number two rated defense in the in the NBA. And maybe there's a reason why too that you look at why the Jazz have been so unwilling to give up on Dante Exum. Right. Oh, no, I think yeah. that's a terrific point. 
Because, well, we we brought this up uh, in the previous segment, Scotty. You're going to have to figure out a, a way to guard these athletic wings. And if Dante Exum, you know, a six six guy with with breakneck speed, and and by the way, if you've have you stood next to Dante, you probably saw him maybe a media day or something like that. Yeah, he's bulked up a little yes, bit. Yes, yeah, he's he's definitely not as. Uh, not as thin as he was a couple of years ago. So he might uh, – I'm glad you brought that up because he certainly could be – if if they could get him healthy and to a point where he can stay on the floor offensively, he could help a lot. Yeah. It's going to be – that's – and I think Quinn Snyder realizes that, and I think that's where Quinn uh, has spent all offseason trying to come up. You know, and, and also – and look, I don't know how much of a huge uh, help he's going to be this year, but Moutier, you throw him into the mix as well. Another longer perimeter defender. I think he was an underrated pickup, actually, Scotty. I don't know how you've been breaking him down, but he's he's a guy who was a little bit disappointing since he was drafted. But he can he can score and he can do some things athletically. And if yeah. he develops uh, in the Jazz system, I I think that's actually a sneaky acquisition there. Yeah, I I hope so because if he ends up playing well, it might just be a one year deal with the Jazz, and they come in, they develop him, and then he's able to secure a larger contract somewhere else. But they're going to need some defensive length on that perimeter. Yep, no doubt. All right, uh, your final tonight. The Bucks beat the Jazz 133-99. to Jake Scott, Scott Gerard with you. We'll continue to break it down coming up next on your Jazz Game Night postgame show on the Zone Radio Network. Jazz Game Night Post Game Show. Jake Scott, Scott Gerard with you. Brought to you by both Mark Miller's Subaru locations. The Jazz fall to the Bucks tonight, 133-99 to in preseason action. Let's take a look at your Safelite Autoglass, master of the glass. Safelite Autoglass, the local vehicle glass expert. They're here for another great year of Jazz basketball and proud to be the preferred Autoglass partner of the Utah Jazz. Safelite Autoglass is also proud to present this year's Master of the Glass Rebound program. At the end of the regular season, Safelite will donate $5 for each rebound secured by this year's team rebound leader with all proceeds benefiting the neighborhood house. Scotty, uh, tonight the Jazz were led by Tony Bradley. Ten boards tonight to go along with his 17 points on 7 of 10 shooting. And Scotty, he had a heck of a summer league. You know, the coaches were were talking very highly of him through camp. He has now two back-to-back good preseason games. And this is a player the Jazz drafted a couple of years ago and has been really developing, working with that uh, that Stars, uh, down with the Salt Lake Stars and with that staff, uh, has had a couple injuries he's had to overcome. But one of those kind of, well, you're, you're in wait-and-see mode. Is, is this the year where maybe we see a little production out of Tony Bradley? Well, I think, you know, you go back and he left college early. Uh, there were many thought that he should have stayed put, um, but you got to go when you got to go, and 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 he was able to be a you know a late first round selection by the Jazz, and I think that at that moment the Jazz knew all along this was going to be a developmental process for him, and that's okay. And he spent a lot of time with the great staff down in the G League. He's worked, he's waited, he's waited, he's developed. They like the way he worked in the offseason. And I anticipate that, yeah, you're going to have some opportunity for him to start to develop. This guy should be going into a senior year at North Carolina. You know, that's he's still a young kid coming along. And I think that you've got an opportunity here for now some of that experience to start to show. You want to, yeah, I mean, just to put this into perspective, this kid was born in 1998. Oh, man, that makes me feel old. I know, right? Yeah, that certainly does. So, again, I'm not saying, like, that's the reason why the Jazz knew all along this was going to be a process for this young man. Well, where the bar I have have set for him this year, Scotty, and and tell me what you think of this, he just has to be Epe Udo. 
yeah. from from last year. He just has to be that center that can come in, hold down the fort when something happens. You know, garbage time, he'll he'll probably get plenty of that. But if if Rudy happens to get into foul trouble or uh, you know, uh spikes a cup of rosin off of the uh off of the scores table in the first yeah. forty five seconds of the game, he's gotta be uh, good enough that he can come in and produce when the the Jazz really needed at that position. And and if you get that, that's a win. And that, I think he's capable of that. By the way, you're not looking for a twenty and ten guy. No, you know you're looking for exactly what you described there from him. And it looks like he's bulked up. It looks like he's in a little bit better physical yep. shape this year, and that that should really benefit him. But if he could come in and and turn into a productive, you know, bottom of the bench type of guy, that would certainly be a win for the Jazz and their developmental staff. And yeah. Scotty, you've talked to him a bunch of times. He's an easy dude to root for. He's a really good guy. Well, and and just his comfort. I, I remember chatting with him when he was drafted, and I think it was one of those draft nights where we try we we talked to him, and 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 you could tell. I mean, he was a deer in the headlights. And talking to him this year at lock, or not not locker room cleanout, but at the uh, start of camp completely different person he's mature he's comfortable in his own skin and it's time for that young man to mature and and get to where he needs to be and i think he's well on his way ed davis tonight also scotty with seven boards in 14 minutes uh two offensive rebounds and that's where really his strength is going to be he's a rebounding machine his rebound per minute numbers are absolutely through the roof and you know we talked a little bit before about the jazz missing Derek favors that's going to be another area where they miss him a little bit is is on the boards and i have no doubt that Rudy will make up a lot of that, you know, especially yeah. when Derek and Rudy were on the floor together a lot last year, you know, they, they split some of the rebounds. So Rudy's going to make up a lot of that. But Ed Davis in that second unit, he's going to be called upon to really be a, a very good rebounder. And I think that's part of the, well, I know that's part of the reason that they, they really went after him in the offseason. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, you look at the element of rebounding and the Jazz have been really good with that. With Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert, you take Derek Favors out. There's a lot of a lot of open rebounds available. I remember uh, this was way back when uh, you and I started, and uh, you, of course, uh, kept your eye on your Aggies, and we went up to a couple of those Aggie games, and you told me about uh, a young forward at Louisiana Tech. Yes. Who was an unbelievable rebounder, and you had Paul Millsap pegged well, way before anybody else uh, I knew as a great rebounder, and then all of a sudden he becomes a jazz man, and you're like, mm-hmm, see, <laughs> see? Well, that, but I didn't I didn't anticipate that D. Brown would be taking a, a spot ahead of him in the NBA draft. <laughs> no. Uh, but, but, yeah, you're right. You know, and the, the thing is, rebounding translates, you know? That's one skill set that, that usually translates from team to team in the NBA and college to the NBA. If you can rebound, you should be able to rebound the ball at that level. And remember, that's a guy who I think led the – uh, led college basketball and rebounding three consecutive years. And I remember watching, like, he had no offensive game at Louisiana Tech. None. None. What he's developed in the offensive side, and I don't mean to get off on the on a little bit of a tangent, has been remarkable because Louisiana Tech, they had some gunners on the outside, and their offense was a bunch of dudes that would shoot threes, would miss them badly, and then <laughs> – and then he'd be there to rebound and put him back up and to in. clean it up. And that, that's their, that was their offense. And they were really good at it because he was a great offensive rebounder. But if you're a great rebounder, you can get on the floor and you can be effective on the floor. Yep. Yep. And, and I do. I, I think the Jazz will, will need a little bit of that uh, going forward. All right, Scotty, let's take a look at uh, the three-point takeover sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union, helping members achieve their financial dreams for more than 80 years. Tonight, uh, the Jazz from downtown, 6 of 29, just 20.7%. 
Uh, they were led really by a bunch of guys who knocked down just one. Uh, Oni, one for three. Nigel Williams-Goss, one for three. George Niang, one for three. Um, let's see here. Donovan Mitchell, 0 of 2 tonight. The starters did not shoot the ball well. Jeff Green, 1 of 3. Bogdanovich, 0 of 4. Conley, 0 for 2. Um, this was not the the Jazz best uh, three-point shooting night by any means there, Scotty. No, no. And that's that's not going to be that, – that's not representative of who this team is. I don't think so. Either. That's a number that you know we'll talk about and we'll say, okay, that happened, but that's not who this team's going to be this year. No. And as they figure out who wants the ball where and what yep. where shots are going to come and, and those sorts of things, that will certainly uh, that will certainly get better. I mean, I, I don't think we're going to talk about a whole lot of games where Bogdanovich goes 0-4, mainly because I think he'll shoot far more than four threes in a game yep. most nights. Yep. And that's and yeah, you're exactly right on that too. And but you're right. You know, you look at there's so many things to be decided and figured out, and the Jazz have a couple of weeks to do it. And frankly, to be honest, the first part of the regular season to also try to figure this thing out, they'll get there. And this is going to be a good three point shooting team. All right, coming up next, we'll get Scotty's final thoughts on this one as we put it to bed and get you ready for the Jazz taking on the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, speaking of Derek Favors, uh, on Friday night, your final one thirty three to ninety nine. More straight ahead on the Jazz Game Night Post Game Show on the on the. Uh, Jazz Radio Network. Jazz Game Night Post Game Show. Jake Scott, Scott Gerard with you. The Jazz fall to the Bucks tonight, 133-99 to in uh, preseason game number two. Scotty, uh, we started off uh, the pregame talking about how we were excited to see Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley on the floor at the same time. Now, maybe this isn't uh, uh, completely fair to ask, given that uh, the, you know they only played really together for part of the first half, and Mike Conley didn't play particularly well. But uh, did you see anything? Did anything stand out? to you um i look I, I what what jumped out to me watching them is there's good chemistry between mitchell and conley out on the court and i think that uh even though you look at the shooting numbers were not good they those two appear to be comfortable on the court at the same time together i want to get rudy in the mix you got to get the three of them on the court at the same time yeah and i think honestly i think that conley is going to have to adjust his game somewhat yeah. and we did talk about this in the pregame and that's you know, go off the ball a little bit more, play a little bit of a of a different role. The Jazz, of course, are are obviously going to do things differently than the Memphis Grizzlies, and it certainly is going to take a minute uh, for him to probably get used to that new type of role. But I, I thought you made a terrific point a couple of segments ago. The Jazz don't exactly have the luxury after the preseason is over to to mix guys in, even though that's probably realistic to expect something like that. But he needs to get going as quickly as humanly possible yeah and that's that's going to be key because you know these games in the grand scheme of things mean honestly nothing they, they mean less than nothing uh there, there's nothing here to be uh overly concerned about but what you do want to see is when this season kicks off here in a couple of weeks that they are you know that they are shooting the ball well from the outside there are assist uh and and this team is playing much much better and i anticipate that it will i'm not too overly concerned about this at all scotty any of the second half stuff that uh, we saw really stand out to you some of the some of the guys coming in off the bench maybe some of the guys playing for some rotation minutes uh again you know we talked about him i think tony bradley continues to develop and i think that's going to be fun to see um you know and then you look at some other guys that honestly are going to be just I don't want to say that they're just guys, but guys that are going to try to battle for position spots. Some of them jumped out. Uh, but, you know, overall, you look at it, 
uh, and nothing really, I mean, you know, nothing really jumps out at you, at least from my perspective. Uh, you know, Bradley was 17, as we've talked about, but I don't know. You know, you look at these guys, you know, Howard ended up with nine. But is Howard going to be a part of this team? Probably not. Probably not. I'm glad you brought him up because he's actually one of the guys fighting with maybe, you know, someone like Stanton Kidd for that last roster spot. And he has a really interesting story where they they scouted him in France and kind of randomly found him. And they they had to buy him out of his contract over there to bring him over here. So there's a little bit invested in him. But actually for the second night or the second game in a row, Scotty, he caught my eye a little bit. He was 0 of 2 uh, shooting uh, from 3 tonight, but he hit both of his he took on uh, Saturday against the 36ers and was four of seven but I also like that he was able to snare five boards I think I don't know if if the bottom of the roster and who's going to make this thing is interesting to you I think he's he's competed well let me put it that way you think you think there's a spot for him at the bottom of the roster I think he's I think it's down to him kid and I don't know who else you want to throw in there maybe blew it on uh, basically, I think it's he or kid yeah. fighting to make that last roster spot. Well, well, think about this because because Justin uh, Justin Wright Foreman and uh, Jarrell Brantley are both on two way contracts, yeah. so the odds of them being on the the opening roster are probably no. low. No, yeah, yeah. All and right. so I I think that leaves the door open uh, for for William Howard. I've liked what I've seen from him for two games. Now watch him get cut tomorrow or something, and no. I look like a complete moron, but I like what I've seen from him. Oney didn't have quite the game that he had in game one uh, that he had tonight. Uh, he was only one of three uh, three points on the night, but again, I'm, I'm a big fan of that young man. Oh, I think he's I think he's almost assuredly yeah. going to make the roster. Yeah. Oh, no, there's no doubt in my mind about well, that. Well, because he's got the size and versatility that we talked yeah. about so much tonight, and he can guard four different positions out there. And, that, and he has a certain body type that just – that's a – a DNA blessing right there. You you won the DNA yep. lottery right there. And he's developed it and works hard. Well, and my guess is he's probably pretty open to coaching considering he went to Yale. So I'm guessing yeah. that, you know, he's had to listen to some wisdom from others you know, a time I, or two. There's going to be a point where he's like, yes, I went to Yale and I don't want to talk about it anymore. Like, you know, like. Oh, I bet he's already there. He's like, he's like yeah, okay, I went to Ivy League. Uh, no, I do not know uh, any type of astrophysics. I apologize. I just took a bunch of communication classes <laughs> so I could play basketball. Like, I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> it was a sociology major. Yeah. I don't. I, don't, I got nothing. Like you know, they that. have those majors too. There, not everybody there is a heart surgeon. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm sure you've heard the same whispers from the franchise that I have. They yeah. they are really high yeah. on him. They like him a lot, and I I would certainly bet that he's going to be on the uh, opening day roster. And not bad for a guy that was taken 58th overall, Mister almost Mister Irrelevant in the NBA draft. Pretty close. Well, remember when we were doing the draft show, we were all blindsided oh, by because we thought the Jazz were done. And yeah, and then, and then we're trying to stumble around on how to pronounce his name. Uh, right, or find any information. Hey, what was him. the uh, Gordon nickname for him? Macaroni. Oh, that's not good. I didn't like that one either. Macaroni Oni. But but then again, I would be Gordon, like, you know, like go to like a song like My Sharoni. You know, see that's not bad. You should give that to Gordon. You should you should let him have that because My Sharoni Oni. That's a lot better have than Macaroni Oni. My Sharoni Oni. Nah, it didn't quite work. I don't I don't know about Gordon's. Uh, batch of nicknames this year. I mean, do you know what his was for Blew It? He blew it? He. Just he. He blew it. (laughs) (laughs) That's not... Although I did like his for William Howard. William Howard Taft. (laughs) (laughs) You got like 90% of our audience like, who's that? (laughs) Who's William Howard Taft? Or how about Jeff Green Jello? That was his for, for Jeff Green. And he got on this smooth thing for Mike Conley. I don't yeah, know I don't think Conley's going to like that. No. 
And uh, what was it for Bogdanovich? Uh, Boyard chef, like Chef, chef Boyard, Boyard. <laughs> Chef, chef Boyan. Boyanovich. I actually like that one. Okay. I don't hate that. <laughs> I tell you where Gordon comes up with some of those. I I don't know. Uh, real quick, Scotty, hit us with a couple of final thoughts before we put this baby to bed. Don't don't worry about the score. Don't worry about the overall performance. Don't worry about the shooting. Uh, this is about combinations. It's about uh, about finding right rotations. It's about chemistry on the court. Uh, this game means nothing. It's a meaningless game outside of the uh, practice time that Jazz got out there tonight. Uh, they learn from this and they're back at it coming up on Friday. This game, I wouldn't I wouldn't stress one iota i would not send one questioning tweet although there are many of you out there that are calm down this is nothing to worry about big thanks to lock and boone doing their normal fine work out there in milwaukee already in mid-season form those guys thanks to all the broadcast assistants thanks to adrian Lizer, executive producer of jazz game night scotty this was fun tonight man thanks. this is fun man it's like a blast from the past here yeah absolutely all right 133 to 99 is your final the jazz fall to the milwaukee bucks as scotty mentioned next broadcast will be the pelicans on friday night tip-off will be at six pre-game at five right here on the Jazz Radio Network.